where I grew up in the hills, back in North Carolina, we'd say, man, it gives you holy goosebumps. Amen. Just start worshiping. And like I said the other day, I get lost. I just love it. Just want to keep it up. And we'll get to do that forever, won't we? Amen. Worshiping. Grateful to have Jason back tonight to share with us. Grateful that you're here. Um, we just want to come with a sense of expectation that God wants to speak to us. That's our heart. So let's pray and ask Him. Lord, we're here because we believe You're here, Lord. We enjoy seeing each other, but it's not each other we need. We need You, God. So I just pray that You might come down in Your power tonight, Lord. And You might speak to each of us, Lord. We all need to hear You, but I pray that I hear You. And I pray that's the prayer of each one here, Lord. Let me hear You, God. And I pray that, Father, we would not be closed to what You say and that we would simply submit to You, Lord, whatever that may be, and discover what we're meant to be in the process, Lord. Have Your way, Father. In the wonderful name of Jesus, we pray. And let's continue singing. If you'll stand one more time, please give you a little break. Now you can stand again. And let's turn to page 206. And we're going to sing a couple of stanzas to this song, and then we'll have a little time of fellowship. A little time of fellowship, right? Okay, actually, I, I've, I've been watching, and uh, I know y'all been enjoying yourselves, and there ain't nothing wrong with that. That's just, that's, that's great. But uh, remember, what's the rule? No swapping recipes, ladies. But one other rule, remember, try to find somebody that what? That you hadn't seen, that you don't know, or you hadn't spoken to today, all right? So let's sing this song. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name. Blessed be the name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name. Blessed be the name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Now fellowship together.
breaks the power of cancelled sin. Blessed be the name of the Lord. His blood can make the foulest clean. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name, blessed be the name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name, blessed be the name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. On the last, I never shall forget that day. Blessed be the name of the Lord. When Jesus washed my sins away, blessed be the name of the Lord. On the chorus now. Blessed be the name, blessed be the name, blessed be the Let's sing that chorus one more time now. We're going to slow it down just a little bit, and I just want you to sing it as a prayer unto the Lord as we continue to worship. Blessed be the name, blessed be the name, blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name, blessed be the name, blessed be the name of the Lord. Amen. You can be seated. You know, we can say that. And there's a truth in this statement that it's very easy to say, Blessed be the name of the Lord when things are going well, right? When everything's going right, when there's money in the bank. And when everything just seems to be going as we think it ought to. But you know what? In the Scriptures, we read about Job. And when did he say, Blessed be the name of the Lord? Did he say, Blessed be the name when he had all his money, his house, and all his animals, and when everything was just going great? Is that when he said, Blessed be the name? No. He said it when he had absolutely nothing. And praise to him was a sacrifice. And yet, it was a blessing unto the Lord. Now, if you know this song, I want you to sing it with me. If you don't know it, just listen, because it's got tremendous words. But it goes like this. It goes, Blessed be your name in a land that is plentiful, where your streams of abundance flow. Blessed be your name. Blessed be your name, though I'm found in the desert place, though I walk in the wilderness, blessed be your name. And every blessing you poured out, I'll turn back to praise. And when the darkness closes in, Lord, still I will say, Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your glorious name. 
Blessed be your name when the sun's shining down on me, when the world is all as it should be. Blessed be your name. Blessed be your name on a road marked with suffering, though there's pain in the offering. Oh, blessed be your name. And every blessing you poured out, I'll turn back to praise. And when the darkness closes in, Lord, still I will sing. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your glorious name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your glorious name. You give and take away. You give and take away. And my heart will choose to sing. Lord, blessed be your name. Lord, you give and take away. Lord, you give and take away. And my heart will choose to say, Lord, blessed be your name. Sing it out. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your glorious name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your glorious name. Amen. Praise the Lord. Brother Jason. There we go. Hey, amen. It wasn't you, it was me. I couldn't get that little my finger down in that little hole to get that thing turned on. Uh, man, it's good to be in God's house tonight. Amen? I tell you, I, uh, I, I'm just so glad that we have a God that loves us. A God that pours out His grace and mercy and that gives us the opportunity to worship Him in freedom. I don't know how we... I know we take that for granted, don't we? You know, on your way in tonight, no one threatened you. No one tried to kill you on your way into the house of God. And you know what? That is a blessing in this world we live in. Every 16 seconds in the world, somebody dies in the name of Jesus. So as we're sitting here, martyrs are going and putting their life on the line and dying in Jesus' name because they love this man. I, uh, and tonight we get to worship and we ought to be celebrating we got to be celebrating that freedom that God has in us, uh, that He's given us. And I tell you, we got to be praying that the rest of the world has that same freedom to worship God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Hallelujah. 
uh, it's good to be in God's house. And uh, um, we're going to get into the word. Before we get into the word, I just want to uh, say a few words about um, uh, you know some of y'all. Some of y'all on passing by keep asking me questions about myself. And I've been trying to give you little tidbits about my ministry and about my stuff and about what I do. And, um, and I thought, well, you know what I'm going to do now? I'm just going to take about a quick few minutes and I'm going to tell you about myself. That way I just kind of fill in the blanks for everybody. everybody what, what, I'm from Bristol uh, originally. And uh, I went down and I went to uh, Hiawatha College, University of Tennessee. And I uh, went, to, went to seminary. And, um, and I have, for the last five years, been operating a ministry called JC Evangelistic Ministries. And I work as a full-time evangelist. I have a wife that is absolutely the uh, most wonderful woman. Her name's Holly. And uh, she, I, uh, I tell you, uh, she, is, she is a bigger part of this ministry as me going out and to preach. Uh, she, every time I'm away from home, I, I, I basically create, because I'm on the road, a single mother with three children. I have three children. I have a daughter named Madison. She's nine years old. I have a, a boy named, named Grayson. He's six. And I have a one-year-old named Lawson. And, um, and, and, when she, and she's, a, she's, a, she's a director of children's ministries or a children's pastor. Um, speaking in a, in, in a church in Gallatin, uh, Tennessee. And that's where we reside now. been there about four months. And uh, we... Uh, uh, we have just dedicated ourselves, our lives, and our family into the ministry of the Lord and for people to know uh, Jesus Christ, not only here, but around the world. I'm getting ready to leave with the team to, to go to the, to the country of Zimbabwe. I've been going there since 2003, um, uh, working on churches and providing medical and vision care and uh, teaching, the, teaching the gospel in new places there. And uh, we take, we take a team of 11 leaving on May the 28th to go to, to Zimbabwe. And uh, that's, a, that's, a, that's a mission that's always open for anybody to go. If God's feeling God, you feel God calling you to, uh, to that place, uh, you're always invited to go. With me, we go. Uh, and as a matter of fact, Miss Sandy's going to be living with me as one of our one of our ladies, and uh, uh, we um, are just very very blessed what God has put before us. Another special ministry that uh, is very dear to my heart that's here tonight. Uh, Miss Sylvia Bowden's here. She is the uh, director of Bristol Outreach. Uh, many of you may not know what Bristol Outreach is even here, but um, uh, it's a fairly a new ministry. And um, Bristol Outreach is a ministry that, that I partner with and have been a part of uh, since uh, it, it uh, uh, began to form itself over at the YWCA. And uh, any given Sunday night, if you go over to the YWCA, uh, you'll find uh, uh, 40, 60, sometimes 80 teenagers and, and children there that uh, come out of the uh, Bristol area. And they come for a hot meal, for Bible study, and for worship. And, uh, and that has taken place um, each Sunday night uh, throughout the school year. And in the summertime, they're having, having camps and, and trying to reach, uh, and, and try, really trying to, to reach these, the young people, children from the ages of five up to uh, youth. And, uh, and I'll tell you, Miss Sylvia is here tonight, and uh, I, I can assure you, if you feel God calling you to inner city urban ministry, um, she'll find a place for you to serve. Um, you know, night, whether serving food or teaching, teaching different age groups, uh, it's a great ministry uh, to trying to change the cycle, if you know what I mean. It's cycle after cycle, trying to change that and uh, trying to reach the lives of young people. And so I've uh, been a part of that ministry, and, 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 um, and I'm very happy that they're here. And some of the young people here tonight, too, all smiling and all back there. So uh, so glad that you are here. I might may have to use you all a second. I've got an illustration. I need your, might need your help. But um, I... Uh, uh, I uh, just want to say thank you for uh, taking a uh, each night, you've been, each service you've taken a love offering for for JC Ministries, and uh, that, that allows us to continue to preach. And we we preach. Uh, uh, I'll go to any size church 
And I committed myself and I said I'm going to be, uh, be an evangelist and totally live on love. Um, I, I put a group of uh, folks around me that I, I told, this is what I want to do. I want to, I want to be able to preach in any size church, regardless of size, all right, for love, for love offerings. And, uh, and we're going to, we're going to, make, we're going to let Matt make it work and we're going to have faith that God's going to provide. And that through people like you, uh, July 1st will mark five years that we've been living on love and living on faith, faith that Jesus is going to provide and he's been faithful uh, in doing so. And so I, uh, so I appreciate you doing that. But we didn't come here to, uh, to necessarily hear about that. We came here to hear a message from the Lord. And so I, uh, I believe tonight that the God has a message for us. And, and uh, I want us to turn, if you have your Bible with you, I want to invite you to turn to Galatians, Galatians chapter 5. I don't know if you know it or not, but we are, we, you know that life was never meant to be lived alone. I don't know if you realize that or not, but, but life was never, God never intended for us to walk through life alone without Him. I, I know you probably know people that have attempted to walk through life without the presence of God or have, the, have God uh, in, in their lives. But, but if you, usually if you find those people, you will find usually an inner poverty that's there in their lives. Even, you know, you, you know, some people think that, oh, I can have all the money in the world. You know, if I had all the money, and some people do have all the money. They have all kinds of money. But inside, you begin to get close to them, and you'll find an inner poverty because they're walking alone. God, God never intended us to walk alone. He never, he, matter of fact, uh, um, even from the very beginning, he, uh, he, he said we, we're going to have companionship, all right? But, but more than anything, uh, that we, we, even, even in that companionship, even in a marriage, the presence of God is so dire and needs to be there. For many of you that have lived and have, have uh, marriages that have gone for years and years and years, you probably know the importance of faith in that marriage. Uh, there's times when there's when times get tough and times different situations happen in the family. Without faith, the, the the world is set up to drive you apart, and it's happening. Have you noticed? It's happening all over our land. Uh, we have we have uh, relationships and uh, and divorces happening all the time, and it's just separation after separation. And the breakdown of the Satan is really attacking the family, and the breakdown of the family, and and where where God is not. Unfortunately, Satan wins. Evil wins. I don't know the other night, and some of you have missed some of the, some of the services, but you are aware that, that uh, we talked about the other night about human, human, uh, uh, human nature. We all have human nature. We all know what it is. And about the Spirit also having a nature. The nature of the Spirit. And how that nature is fruitful. Well, if you know that about these two things, the flesh and the, and the spirit, you're aware that they're always at battle with each other. Have you noticed? If you're not aware of this, then uh, uh, we may have a problem because if you don't recognize there being a battle between this, um, we may be just totally just, you may be totally just missing this concept. But tonight I want us to, to really think about where it is that God desires for us. You know, um, we talk about God's will. Romans 1, I mean, Romans 12, 1 and 2. I love that scripture. You know what it says there? It, it, it's there where it says that we ought to give our bodies as a holy and living sacrifice to God. All right? And it says that we ought not to be conformed to this world, but be, but, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Uh, this translation that I, I, I 
translation, it says it a little bit differently. I, I learned it growing up, the renewing of your mind. But I, lo- I love it. And tomorrow night we're going to talk about this. About it in, in this translation, it says, be transformed by changing the way you think. Hmm. That's interesting how we do that. But in the end of that scripture, it says this, that he is going to, that these two things, giving our bodies and the girl of our minds, that that's how we, that God begin, if we begin to do those two things, God reveals to us his will for our lives, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. Tomorrow night, we're going to go there. I hope you're going to be here to see what that is. God's will for our lives. And when we're trying to be in God's will, all the time, there, if you're trying to get into being God's will, there's normally resistance. Satan does not desire for you to be in God's will. And there will be resistance that will come. That's why we have to be prepared. And that's why we're going to be in Galatians for just a little bit. Because in Galatians, you know what you know, in Galatians and Ephesians, I mean, and we're, we're, the church is equipped there with the instruments, the tools we need to protect ourselves. And in Galatians chapter 5, I want to invite you to join with me down in chapter chapter 5, starting with verse 16. Now, if, you ha- if, you, if you're able, I want to invite you to stand uh, in the honor and the reading of God's Word. And if you're not able, I just invite you to stand in your heart in, in that honor. Hear the words of the Lord. And then, as we get, I'm going to read down through verse 18. And then, in my Bible, it's one page over. I'm going to flip over to Ephesians chapter 2. And I'm going to read verses 4 through 7. And um, these two verses, were, these two sections, we're going to... Uh, to pull together. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other so that you are not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under the obligation to the law of Moses. Now, if you have your Bible, turn over there to, maybe, maybe it's one page, it might be two. Ephesians chapter 2, starting in verse 4. Hear what, hear what Paul says here. But God is so rich in mercy, and He loves us so much, that even though we were dead because of our sins, He gave us life when He raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. So God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness toward us as shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. I thank God tonight for his written word. You may be seated for a time of prayer. Father, I thank you for your word, and I thank you that you that you are a God that uh, gave us a guide. You help us. You never intended us to do this alone, but you say very quickly here that you that we have to allow the Holy Spirit to guide our lives. So, Lord, I pray now that you will. Write your spirit into this word. It will not just be written words on a page, but it will be the very bread of life. It will be the living water in which our heart thirsts for. Lord, bless now the preaching of your word in Jesus' name. Amen. I don't know your testimony. I don't know your story. But I would go to guess that for many of us, uh, if we look back at our lives, we can begin to begin to name.
I can remember that time. I can remember that time when I began to trust Him. Remember, there's a difference between believing and trusting. Amen. All right? I began to believe Him. And it took a little bit longer down the road, but I began to really trust Him. And uh, I remember that time in my life. I also remember another benchmark in my life was, was when I, uh, uh, I surrendered my call to ministry to begin to preach. I remember that benchmark in my life. I also remember the other things in my life when I became a father. And I, my responsibility changed as, as a man. And, and I was a father. And you, I began to take it very seriously, spiritually, of what my role was as a man. And that way, when I was married as well as a, as a husband, you know, most of us can go back in our lives. And, and I, would, I would say there's probably somebody in here that's been uh, on a on a, uh, a spiritual retreat of some sort that was that, that there was a commitment made and it was a benchmark in life. I've been there some folks here that would used to go to Promise Keepers and Promise Keepers is a big deal. People go to it. There's, there's some folks go on a say on the Mayus Walk and do that. Uh, uh, we might be some teenagers here that go to uh, uh, youth events. Uh, there's all kinds of hearts on fire. There's uh, resurrection. There's uh, all kinds of different large events that take place where where there's benchmarks in life that are made. Faith steps and. Faith steps are so often very, very difficult to make. Have you ever taken those faith steps? I mean, do you remember that? I mean, you go all the way back. Do you remember that time when God convicted your heart and you were in, and he, and he said, Trust me? And you were like, I can't. I mean, you, you know, all the pride began to come. I, I can't step out and trust him. And then finally, you know, you said, I've got to, I've got to give. And he, and he took that step of trust. Only to find that God called you. And he was faithful. Do you remember that step of trust? I, I, I know taking those steps are not easy to do, especially if you're if you're one of those Christians that you're just walking along and everything's going smooth and you're just pretty content and you're pretty happy. You go to church every Sunday and you go to church every Wednesday. You're in Bible study and uh, you, you're just floating along. And then you begin and the Lord begins to convince you, and begins to speak to you, saying, "I want you to do something." And, and, and you go, "Oh, I'm not too comfortable with that." So what do you do? You bury it as is possible, amen. That's what we do. That's what we typically do. Instead of saying, God, if that's, if that's what you want me to do, I'm willing to go and take a step. Taking those, doing things that we're not normally comfortable doing are very difficult steps. And I've learned in my life that, that if I don't feel equipped to do something, I will be very hesitant in doing it. But when I'm willing, when I'm willing to be trust, trust the Lord, even when I don't feel equipped, God will equip the willing. You know that. I can't preach to the choir tonight. I have never forget. I was in 1995. I was in doing mission work in, in the country of Japan. There for, I was there for three weeks. And, and while there, um, we, we, did, we did a lot of stuff in southern Japan. And we were, we were, uh, we were all, everybody that was there were, were professors and teachers and things. And, and uh, we were, I mean, over there, over there, you just don't walk in and say, oh, we're missionaries. You know, we just have, you, you know, not that they're going to punish you, not that they're going to hurt you or nothing like that. But you just kind of laid low. And we were working in different schools and, and uh, we were just, you know, try, just, just trying to share the Jesus with people. And, and, and in doing so, we, um, we did a lot of traveling. We traveled across the country and, and we were... Uh, uh, I learned a lot of new different cultural things that were going on there. But one of the things they travel over there, you just don't jump in a car and drive. Um, you, you get on a train, all right? They have bullet trains over there, man. You get on and blink, and you're, and you're 100 miles up the road. You know, it's just, and the things fly. And, and on our trip, we were changing locations uh, from southern Japan to northern Japan. And 
we, uh, we were loading the train. It's going to be a four-hour trip. We left around 10 o'clock, and uh, maybe it's about 11 o'clock for the time, time we left. And, and as soon as we got on the train, it was about lunchtime. One of the things I fell in love with in Japan was, uh, uh, was sushi. Anybody else like sushi? Oh, i got five people like sushi, okay. I love sushi, okay. Now, the reason you don't like it here is because you probably tried it here, and it's not very fresh here. All right, but in Japan, it's like it comes off the dock and on the plate. Amen. It's like, I do this fresh, and, uh, and I just fell in love with it. Well, anytime I could get it, I mean, well, we were, I was getting it. And, and that day, I got on the train and, and I got a big old platter of uh, sushi, and I ate it. Well, every once in a while, regardless of where you get it, sometimes you get some bad sushi. You know, Todd, you know what I'm talking about. You, 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 you get, and I sit there and I begin to go, uh-oh, this is not good. And it, I felt my stomach rumbling, you know, and then it didn't take long that that rumble began to get lower, if you know what I mean, and lower. And uh, I finally said, this is not going to be, this is not good. Now, I, and, and so, I, so I asked the lady, and some of y'all are going to get a little embarrassed right now, but, but you know what? Going to the bathroom is just life. We all have to do it every once in a while. And so, and so I said to the lady, um, um, uh, where's the restroom? Now, I knew what I was asking when I asked this. See, in Japan, they do not have restrooms like we have restrooms. Okay? They have what they call the Japanese-style toilet. All right? It's a, it's a, they, I, there's no way you can call it a commode. It is just a toilet. And let me explain this thing. It's about this wide and about this long. And it goes into the ground. There's nothing above ground, all right? It's just it's like this little trough thing. And when they showed us this little thing when we first got there, I was like, it ain't going to work. <laughs> it just won't work for me. And, I, and all, the, all the guys, we're all, we're all gathered in this bathroom during this orientation time, and we're all looking at this thing. And all the men were like, no, this ain't going to work. So we made a pack right there. We, we said, guys, we're not using it. We will hold out till we find a Western style, if you know what I mean. Because so that's what they called them. Western style commode was our style. All right? See, so they, find, they find it to be unsanitary for everybody to use the same, to sit down on the same piece of equipment. And so they, uh, uh, they use these things in the ground. And all the ladies were like, well, we'll figure it out. But the men, we were, just, we're not going to use this thing. So when I asked the lady where the restroom was, she, uh, she said, uh, it's right up there. There's a whole train full of them. And, and I, had to, I had to kind of make it out. And I, I said, I, began, I was in a little bit of hurry at that point. And I began to make my way through the trains. And as I made my way through the trains, I, I got to the one there, and I, I remember walking in, and there was just a whole room full of them. I'm in the hallway, kind of, and it had men's and women's, and they had it broke down. Praise the Lord. It had Japanese style, and it had Western style. I said, thank you, Lord. All right, so I went over to the Western style. Door locked. This is not good. So I waited out. I, I remember sitting out there in that hallway going, I kept looking over to that Japanese style going, no, not that bad yet. And I waited it. I waited it out, you know. And I kept thinking that the door's going to open, and and uh, then the contractions started coming, you know. And I started going in great pain, and it was just it was just getting bad, and I was sweating a little bit. And, and I finally said, "No, I can't wait no longer." And I just hit, I went into that bathroom, and I shut the door, and the lights came on, and I felt like I was in an empty room. I mean, there was nothing in there. I mean, it's just really weird, just a sink and this thing in the floor. And I thought, well, I'm going to have to figure out how to use this thing. And I thought, well, I 
noticed there was a bar going across the wall. And I thought, well, all right. <laughs> this may work. I was scared to death. Well, to make a long story short, it wasn't a good day to have on khaki pants, if you know what I mean. It didn't go well, friends. You know, I didn't want to go in there anyway. I did not want to go in there. I, I mean, I fought it off, and I tried to fight it off. And matter of fact, I walked in, and I made a mess of it. Well, I've realized something. Let's be honest. Many of us have taken reluctant steps of faith only to have failed or thought we had failed. And when that happens, we become even more reluctant to take steps of faith. And we get timid. We weren't given a, sp a spirit of timidness, right? That's a word. We weren't given that spirit. And, and so, and so I, I, I made a mess of myself. And I remember coming out of there and I'm going, how, can I, how am I going to face the rest, of the rest of the team? Especially the guys. We still, had another, we, had, we still had another 10 days together. And I'm thinking, if, if they see me like this, I'm thinking, ah, I'll, I'll never live it down the rest of the trip. So I began to scheme. How am I going to get my bags, get my chains closed, clothes changed before they can see me? And I began to make my way through the aisles. And I want to tell you to know, I'm minding my own business, and I look over, and there's these two people smiling from ear to ear. They were obviously wanting to get my attention. And they weren't Japanese. And the next thing I hear is, So where are you from? That's my language. I know Appalachian when I hear it, you know. And I, where are you from? And I said, well, I'm from Tennessee. And they said, well, we're from uh, South Carolina, I think North Carolina, South Carolina. Things like and I said, well, uh, and they said, we're, and I said, yeah, we're here doing some work. And she said, we've been missionaries here for about six years, I mean, six months. And, and uh, we've been doing work, you know. And, and I, uh, I, I thought, uh, I got so ingrained in their story that I completely forgot about my pants. Until I was sitting there talking, and I just I was talking away, and all of a sudden, I begin to notice the man's eyes going. <laughs> and I said, oh, yeah, I said, oh, man, I just had a bad experience. I, I, for the first time, I tried to use that Japanese style, and, uh, man, it just didn't go well, you know. And that guy goes, man, don't you worry about that. It took me three months to figure out how to use that thing right. And the, and the woman said, yeah, don't you worry. I said, man, I can't. I, I am so embarrassed. I can't walk back here and my guys see me like this. I said, they'll make fun of me for the, for the rest of my life, some of them. And, they, and, the, and the woman said, don't you worry. Don't you worry about that. And she said, you sit right here. I sat down beside him and kept talking. And she went back here and got my bag for me and brought it back to me. And I went to the bathroom. I changed my clothes. I got all clean again. She took my bag back there. I was free. Well, by this time, my team was getting quite worried about me. I'd been gone for a while, if you know what I mean. And uh, uh, this, is, this, is, this is the thing. My friends, when the church is being the church, and we mess up and fall on our faces, when the church is being the church, the church comes by and picks us back up and dusts us off and cleans us off and puts us back on the road again. And that's what I did that day. 
I walked back to this missionary friends of mine. They said, Jason, are you okay? I said, boys, it just takes a little while to conquer the Japanese style, you know. Well, you got to do it. you got to do it. And I had to do it right. But taking a step of faith is so difficult sometimes. It's difficult for all of us. And so difficult sometimes, and, and, and so much makes it so uncomfortable that we won't even go there anymore. The Scripture here tells us to be guided by the Spirit. Be guided by the Spirit. Do you know that's a step of faith? It, 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 it usually doesn't, that's, that is a step of faith that usually does not happen on the day of salvation. We, we come forward, we receive Christ. But to begin to live a life guided by the Spirit is a whole different step of faith. That you're living day in and day out, living in the Spirit of God, listening and acting on His voice. It's a whole different step. Many of us haven't gone there yet. Because, because we haven't come to that step of faith where we have this idea that Christianity is something that we do. Rather than something that we are. And when we begin to think, back, think of that, we, when we begin to separate that that, that, that begins to explain to us why there are people that are calling themselves Christians, like we've been talking about, but their lifestyle is different. They don't match up. You know the ones I'm talking about? You probably work with them. Or maybe they work with you. Where you call yourself a follower of Christ, but the things in your life don't match up to the Word. And I would go to guess if it's like that, if there's a mismatch there, I would go to guess it's like that because you're not being guided by the Spirit. If your actions are different than the Word of God, you're not being guided by the Spirit because the Spirit wouldn't lead you to do such a thing. The Spirit of God, if it leads you to do something, it's going to match up to the Word of God. That's how the Spirit works. And so it says here that, that we have to be guided by the Spirit. Now, we've got to take a close look at this because it talks about this battle. This battle that goes on between flesh and the Spirit. This battle that rages. Now, this Scripture here says that these two forces are constantly fighting each other so that you are not free to carry out your good intentions. Have you ever had good intentions that you didn't fulfill? Now, I, I think about that right now and I think... I sure need to write that thank you note and let them know that I appreciated what they did. But I didn't get it done. I had good intentions. Or how many of you done this one before? You know, tomorrow is January 1st. This year, I'm going to read the Bible all the way through again. And, you, and you're pumped up. You're going to start tomorrow, Genesis 1. And, you, and here you go, and, it, and, it gets to, and it get, you get to Leviticus, and you just die with all the rest of them. You don't make it through. You had good intentions. But you didn't run out of time. You ran out of interest. Ran out of motivation. And Pastor, how about that, that one that comes to you and says, I think we need to start a new Sunday school class. Oh, I, th- I, I mean, the Lord's leading me to start a new Sunday school class. I'm going to invite all those that are going to be here. And on that first day, they're excited because they've had eight, twelve people show up. And, and they, they're ready and they're getting all oriented, you know. And they start studying. And, and about the fourth week, they don't even show up. 
didn't know they had a study between Sundays. Had good intentions. But no follow through. Why? I believe it's that way because this battle that goes on. However, this battle that goes on, that it says here, but when you are directed by the Spirit, you're no longer under the obligation of the law. And, and you're not under the obligation, the restriction anymore. You're set free from this battle. We well, said, well, a second, Jason. You've been, you've been preaching about this battle going on. I've been going, amen, all the time, amen. And now you're telling me I'm not supposed to be living in that battle? Precisely. Do you think that Jesus Christ, that God would send His Son to die on the cross for you, die for you, so that you could live in a battle? What kind of offer is that? The best way I know to illustrate this is with some volunteers. I want to do something for you. And some of you all from Beach Grove, I did this over at your church because for me, when the Lord gave me this, I believe that it is something that I, I don't forget about it. I, I do things sometimes and this model comes into my head and reminds me of where God desires for me to be. So, I'm going to, I need about four volunteers. I usually use young people. And so, uh, would you help me for a minute? I like these. Will you help me for? I know you're not even. You, you help me. You help me. Come on up here. All right. Let me use some of these young people in the back too. A couple of y'all volunteer for me. Okay. Come on up here. You two. You two on the end over there. Come on. Come on up here. I need four of you. We got four ladies. All right. We'll take. We'll take the ladies here. All right. Let me see. Hmm. All right. I want you right here. Right here. All right. All right. And uh, let me get you on the very end. Okay. You stay there, and you come over here. You're tall as I am, girl. You're playing ball. You need to be playing some ball. All right? You could be ducking on me soon. All right? She's taller than me, ain't she? Good, gravy. All right? That's beautiful. All right. This is perfect. Don't let these people intimidate you, okay? All right. You have very important roles to play. All right? Uh, what we're going to do today, we're, we're going to let you represent God. Okay? No pressure. You're going to be God for the next few minutes, just representing God, okay? Your, your part's real easy, okay? Now, if that's God on that end... Yeah, you're going to have to be... Yeah, Satan. Yeah, you're, you're, you're going to be the devil for me tonight. You've got, you got, you got God over there and you've got Satan here, all right? And um, uh, this ought to be easy for you. All right. Now, <laughs> you know I'm joking with you. Just, hi. Now, if that's God and that's Satan, now you two are in the middle, okay? You're going to represent Jesus, okay? And uh, you're Jesus tonight, and we got, so we've got God, so we've got Satan, we have Jesus. Guess what? What's your name? Grace. Oh, how perfect. Grace. Grace is going to represent all of us, all of humanity. Okay? And uh, Grace, there's no pressure here. Okay? But these people are counting on you. All right? To make the right decision. Now, now I, want, I, want, I want to explain some things to you that I think go, go without saying in the church. I think they, they're, they're things that we just assume 
but we don't really talk about and we don't study, okay? But I want to ask you some questions, and you're going to find there's going to be some uh, uh, people who go, I don't know the answer, all right? Even though it's, it, it, because we, everybody just thinks, well, it's just common knowledge, okay? So let's say grace, grace here represents all of us, and every one of us in this world is born, right? You know, we're born, and we're as, as children, as babies. The question is this. When we're born into this world, and here it is, and God, Jesus is with us now as well, right? He's present. And we have Satan. And here we are in the middle here. When we're born, which direction are we leaning towards Jesus and God? Or are we leaning towards Satan? Okay, Satan. Some of y'all been here for Satan, you're leaning this way, right? Why, why is that? It goes, always, it goes all the way back to Adam and Eve, right? Right? When, when Adam and Eve fell, right? The, the scripture says that a seed of sin was placed in humanity. Right? And from that point on, humanity's needed a redeemer in order to make right that sin. And so, uh, but when we're born, we are born leaning already, because it's already in us, leaning towards sin. Matter of fact, if you've ever had children... You will agree with this statement. Not only are we leaning that way, come here, Satan. Satan's got a hold. I'm always amazed at my children. My children know how to lie from birth. Have you noticed this? It's not just mine, is it? Children can lie, and you, you go, you little devil. And, and, and they learn how to do it. I mean, I mean, think about it. When, when, when somebody is living in sin, I'm going to ask you this question. At this point in life, baby, baby, okay? Who does that baby care about? Itself. That's all it cares about. I mean, I mean, except for I have three kids. I have one that was different, all right? He was, he's so thoughtful. He's a middle child. He's so thoughtful. You know, matter of fact, when he was about four months old, it was so great. Uh, uh, he, 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 was, uh, he, would, he would express his feelings at four months old. It was, it was, it was tremendous because he would wake up 3 a.m. and uh, he would say, You know, I'm hungry. I bet mom and are sleeping right now. I'll wait till daylight before I scream and yell and I'll wake them up. Do y'all have any kids like that? No, I didn't either. That was a dream. That was a miracle that happened. But at 4 a.m., 3 a.m., they're hungry. What do they do? They cry because all they, they want to satisfy self. And that's just that's a, that's a human part of us. And, and because of that, we, we all the time feed ourselves. And when they're, when they're three years old, who do they care about? When they're five years old, who do they care about? When they're ten years old, who do they care about? When they're 16 years old, who do they care about? And sometimes at 35 years old, who do they care about? The longer it's all about them, the harder life is. Have you noticed? Think about your life. When you live with it being about you, you usually make bad decisions. You fulfill the flesh. And I, I believe, and I'll say it again, like I said the other night, that the longer a person stays in this condition, the older they are in this condition, the more harm they will do to themselves, the more baggage they will pack on. And you have to unpack on the other side. And so, so what happens is we're, we're at this place here, and we're going, but where's God in all this? Is God present? Sure, He's present. 
He's present. I mean, He is the giver of life. I would go to guess that many of us here, we, we, we believe in life. Right? He's the giver of life. And so, therefore, there's an act of grace going on. Alright? There's an act of grace going on before we even can acknowledge God. Because we have life. He's the giver of life. So, he, He's present there. Do we know He's there? No. That's why it's grace. It's undeserved presence of God. And so, so here we are, and, and, and hopefully we're going to come to a place, and, and this is where the grace even gets even greater, is that if you're raised in a family of believers, today that's grace. Not every child has that. It's the grace of God that you're raised in a family that brings you to church. Well, I'm going to hope and pray that at some point in this, this human's life, whether it be your whoever's life, that, that they're going to be introduced to Jesus Christ. That is why it's so important for us to be missionaries. It's why it's, why it's important for us to be, be administering the gospel in every way, form, and fashion so that you might be the person. Because I don't know about you and your life, but I always think about my own. And that is, is that when you're here and doing it yourself and it's all about you, you get tired of it. You get tired of doing it and trying to do it yourself. Because it usually ends up being sin. Destruction. It's not successful. Your poverty comes. And they're going to be using comes up a place in a person's life. Usually in, the, in, in between the ages of about 8 and 25. That they're going to come to a spiritual crossroads in life. And they say to themselves, What do I do with this stuff inside me that I know is wrong? It's leading me to this destroying my life. So hopefully, there's going to be somebody that's going to do that. Maybe it's a Sunday school class teacher. Maybe it's a preacher in a pulpit. Maybe it's a person at work that's going to say, you know, let me tell you about this man changed my life. And hopefully, Jesus has heard about it. You know the story. That God, the of Jesus, that God sent a son. All right? This is where you miss your, this is your one part. All right? Send your son. Good job. And so Jesus comes into the world. And, uh, and he's here, and he's present, and he says, I'm the Redeemer. I am the land that was slain. I am the penalty. Paid. And so, hopefully it comes a time when you, I, say yes to the Redeemer. And when we do that, you know, sometimes, sometimes we have this idea that we take a hold of Jesus. But the truth is, Jesus takes a hold of us. Alright, so we're going to take a hold of But here's the big question, folks. With the, with the, in light of the scripture we read tonight, when we say yes to Jesus, does Satan let go? That's the answer. I always get. Because it's true. Satan doesn't let go, does he? Matter of fact, he gets mad. He says, What? You have been on my side, serving yourself, serving your flesh, from the time you were born. Now, Satan, Satan, he thinks he's got it covered, but we call, we call that time of growing up, uh, that accountability time, you know. And after that child, you know, we believe that child, that child dies, and heaven will be because he's not accountable yet. You know, we believe that. Uh, but Satan knows that if there's no fresh water during that time, if he can hook them in, he can make that drag on. When we say yes to Jesus, the first defeat just happened. So, so 
says yes to Jesus, and, and Satan gets mad. And so when, what does Satan do when he gets mad? He takes a stronger grip, right? Go ahead. Go ahead. Get, get, get two hands on there. All right? But, but Jesus said, whoa, 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 whoa. I told you that I would never leave you nor forsake you. You said you believed? You're mine. I adopted you. You're my child. And you give a look say to I believe. So you get two hands on there. As the scripture says, that these two forces fight each other. And if Satan's pulled that way, go ahead. And Jesus is pulled that way. Don't hurt the young lady. But it's not very comfortable, is it? Are you hurt? Oh, pull a little harder. Pull, go ahead. Pull enough. This battle place right here is no fun. Listen, and, and I don't know about you, but. Let's just be honest for a second. Have you ever been there? Hasn't we though? We have lived right here. And, 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 it, and it's in this place where we, the, the battle rages. And, and I, I have lived in that place in my life where I'm in the battle. And I know we said something called riding the fence. Right? We're on one side. And one, and one day we're on one side. The other day we're on the other side. And it's because this, this battle's going on. And, and so and I, I, I began to study that and begin to think about that. And just like I said a minute ago, do you think that Jesus died for you to live like that? I don't know about you. But if that is why I jumped into I'm not sure I want to get in. Even why most of it, our society doesn't want to get in. Because this is all they see. Christian after Christian, proclaiming they believe, but still living the ways of the world. Still following the flesh. I'm going to guess that many of us right here tonight are in that battle right there. And the battle's raging in our lives. And we know it's raging because every time we begin to we begin to slide over and begin to do things that according to our flesh, we get convicted. You know what conviction is? It's a gift from God. It's a gift because when we get to go that way, God begins to convict us of what do we do. We come back. Do y'all have the people here? Maybe you're one of them. Y'all have the people here that are like roller coaster attenders. Uh oh. Y'all saying, yes, yeah, me. When things are good in the house of the Lord, things are bad, you don't see them for a month. And they come back for a little bit. And they're gone for a while. And this routine goes on and on. Why? Because you're living in the battle. Jesus is not the top priority. Because you're still living in the flesh. This is not God's plan for you. This is not what he died for. That's why I read for you the other scripture in Ephesians, wherever the scripture went, in Ephesians. And if you have your Bible, turn over there again. And listen to what it says that, when, that is God's mercy, that is God's grace that you have been saved. Listen to what he says. For, for he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms. Because we are united with Christ Jesus. Did you hear that? He seated us in the heavenly realms. Your scripture may say the heavenly citizenship. 
Let me ask you a question. Does that look like the heavenly realm to you? Why not? Because who's present? He don't belong there, does he? If this is the heavenly realm, it doesn't. It doesn't. It's not the picture we have in the Bible that that we're, that God seats us. All right. Some translation says He places you. All right. That means that there's going to have to be a moving of you. You hear what I'm saying? There's going to be have to be from one place to another place. It's almost like taking something, putting it on a mantle, and placing it. That when we when we die to Christ, that God takes us, Jesus takes us, and places us in the heavenly realm with Him. And and so the question is. How do we get rid of Satan? How do we get rid of this, get him to let go of us? Well, the Scripture tells us. And I'm so glad we sang about it tonight. Because it comes in the name of the Lord. The Bible says that the very name of Jesus was Satan. Places where Satan's got a stronghold, if you claim Jesus over there. Some of y'all gonna think I'm a little crazy here. Why y'all probably might call me? Y'all might even call bad the Costal. I don't know what you call it around here. But I believe that there's power in the name of Jesus. And that we've got to claim that power in the name of Jesus. And when Satan has a stronghold in our lives, we better we better name the name of Jesus. We better fly that banner over top of him and make him flee. And you can name it whatever you want to. You can name that stronghold, but you better put Jesus over top of it. Maybe tonight you need to put it over procrastination. You need to put it over alcoholism. You need to put it over your self-esteem. Whatever you do, you, you claim the name of Jesus, and you, and you get this, you get Satan out of the way. I never forget when I moved out, when I bought my first house. I was serious about this. I wanted my home to be a haven of grace and peace. I didn't know who lived in my house before. I don't know what's taking place in my house. But I knew that when we moved in that house, I wanted it to be a haven of grace and peace. One night I was there painting my house, and I, I was uh, out there by myself. I had a Christian radio station going on, and I got singing, and I got to praising the Lord, and I was painting. I, 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 I don't know if the paint fumes were going on in there, you know, and I did that for I've been there all day, you know, and, and I had the windows up, you know how that is. I, been, I was just going to town, and, and uh, I, began to, I, began to, I began to praise the Lord, and the Lord began to speak to me. He began to say, you better give this place to me. And I said, you know what, you're exactly right, Lord. And so I just, I just put the paintbrush down, and I began to walk room to room in that place. Now, y'all won't think I'm crazy. I don't care what you think, really. But I began to go room to room, and I began to pray in every room in that house. In the name of Jesus, Satan, you have no place here. Do not enter into this home. I believe in the, in the spiritual powers that are going on. I believe that Satan right now is at work in this world, and he is out to conquer, destroy, kill, and murder. And I think he's out to destroy everything that we have is done as good. And I don't want any part of my house. I went to every room, every bathroom, every closet, every garage. I went, every, I went to every place in my house, covered it in prayer. Where it got crazy is when I went outside. My neighbors didn't even know me yet. I guess you see your neighbors are sitting in the front yard going like, yes, it gets so weird, you know what I mean? I began to pray. I stood in every corner and I found my light and I said, In the name of Jesus, God, you have given us this place. It is yours. We have to do that. 
We have to live in such a way that we begin to claim the name of Jesus over our lives, over every area of our lives, every place we work, every place we go do hobbies, that we, we claim those places because if you give Satan an inch, he'll take a mile. Satan, in the name of Jesus, I rebuke you. Get out of, get, get away. Feels good, didn't it? And the scripture says that he places us. See, God knows our hearts. He knows our motivations. He knows if we're serious about getting rid of him or not. Or whether we're trying to make ourselves feel good. He knows whether we're trying to trying to please him and do his work in this act, or whether we're just trying to be selfish anymore. He knows it all. So Jesus places us. Now where do you, if, 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 if this is not the heavenly realm, where do you think it is? Yeah. Come on, Jesus. Take her over there. Put her over there in the middle. There you go. Put her in the middle. Put her in the middle. All right. Good, 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 good. This is fantastic. Now, can all three of y'all walk this way a little bit? Come back right here. Come back right here. All right, Satan, come over here. Okay. Let me ask you a question. Does this look like the heavenly realm to you? Come on. You see it now? Because look, look what happens is now you have the Father and the Son, and where's the Holy Spirit live? Inside of each of us. And the three become one. Satan, we know he's still at work, right? However, can y'all line up right here? Come line up right here. Now face me. That's good. You don't have to, God. You you are God. Do what you want. Do what you want. All right? Now, here's the thing. Satan's still going to be on the attack, right? But when we look at it like this, I think it makes great sense that when, when Satan begins to attack now, what does he see? Yeah. We fall behind the cross. We, we fall behind the one who defeated his greatest penalty. And look what happens. Everybody step back. Step back. Look what happens. I want, I, want, I want to explain to you. I've got to have a place to go. And you have these two places. I want to explain to you the, the difference between these two people while they're standing here. This, the difference between this person that's in the battle and this person is the difference in sin and how you perceive it. Let me explain. This person believes that sin is an option. And this person says sin is not an option in my life. Think about it for a second. When you're in the battle, something as simple as going to church becomes a what? Option. I don't have to go if I don't feel like it. Satan comes here and goes, Well, you can be a Christian and not go to church. You don't have to go to church to be a Christian. Well, I got news for you. If you're a Christian, you're going to want to go to church. Amen. Alright? Here, if you're a, you're being a student, we were getting on that, get that test in front of you, and you get down to, to the end, you took 
have two questions you don't know the answers for. And you're sitting there and you're going, okay, what do I do? Do I guess? Oh, Susie's sitting beside me. And she always makes these. See, when you're in the battle, stealing Susie's answers to put on your test is an option. That's what got to be Christian students today. It's 85% admit that they cheat at school. And these are Christian students that are surveyed. Because they think it's an option. When we file our taxes, it's here. We're cheating on our taxes. It's an option. It is here where we can go out and live and go to work and do all these things and hobbies and never think once about being fruitful. We don't have to be fruitful. That's for the evangelist to do. That's for the preacher to do. Because seeing is an option. You can opt out of God's way. Battle. It's here where you can say, I ain't got 10% to give to God. So you don't pay your time. Giving the leftovers. Because sin is an option. But look what happens. When he places us here and sin is no longer an option in our lives. Think about how everything transitions. And and sin's not an option. And we just go ahead and say, guess what? I'm going to do it God's way. I'm I mean, it's not even an option. I'm not even going to go there. I'm not even, I mean, I'm going to protect, I am, I am now in the heavenly realm. I cannot allow it be an option because when you're living here, the only thing you begin to think about is how I can please the Father. That's what Jesus does. Please the Father. You begin to live to please the Father. And it's amazing when you go ahead and put that block there and say, sin is not an option, how it frees you. It just frees you to live. It frees you to go. Have you ever been around those people who live that way, where sin is not an option? Have you ever watched how they live? It's beautiful. The priorities are right. They're not worried about what people think about them. They're just living. And they're usually the most hospitable people that you can be with. And even when you walk in their home, you feel like you're in the presence of the Lord. You see the fruit and fruit of their work. Because they're not only working and worried about whether they're going to go to church or not. They're not that it's not an option. They're not worried about whether they're going to pay their tithe or not. It's just not an option. And those things begin to become not even thoughts because they become a way of life because you're pleased to Father. And freedom comes. It's just who I am. And it's who I live for. I wonder tonight. See, I believe that revival comes when people move from here to there. It is a step of faith. And maybe it's a step of faith that you've never taken before. The heavenly realm. You may be here nothing. You know, that's not even worthy to go there. I'm not even worthy of that. Oh, but let me tell you, because of Jesus, it is Jesus that makes you worthy. Not your actions. Not your being. Here's your 
here's the thing, church. If enough people in a congregation is living here, the whole church will be right here. And when you're here, who do you care about? Yourself. But when you're here, and the whole church begins to move here, oh, you better watch out. Because they're about kingdom work. They're about the lost and the hungry. They're about the hurting and pain. They are about the asking church. And I'm probably two or three of them represented here tonight. Where are you at? Are you holding your church back? Or are you here? Let's work for the kingdom of God. Now tonight, you're going to be seated. Thank you, Lord. Now tonight, I want to do this. Because I know to admit that you're in the battle. And if you already have, you shouted it out. No, never been there. Yeah, I've been there. Some of you have been. Some of you are there right now, you know it. It's a night the Lord has convicted your heart. But right now you're scared to death. Because you look at your life and you see everything that has to change. And change is hard. You look at your church and you say, well, you know what? We're going to have to change a little bit. And it's a scary little thing. That's why it's called faith. Tonight, I want to ask you to take a step of faith. And tonight, whether you're here, you haven't said yes to Jesus, it's a step of faith. But get, get this. Now that you know this understanding, don't just grab on to Jesus and keep saying there. You got to, I believe that the greatest way of conversion. It's like Saul and Paul. Go ahead and make the break. Totally over. Don't, don't ease over. I'll tell you, say no to this. If you pull it back, if you pull it, you'll be in that battle. It is no fun. Get all in. But if you're here tonight, you're in this battle. The pride's coming on. And you got to say in the name of Jesus, pride, you have no power. And if you're here, and you were sitting here the whole night, and you were going, come on, yes, yeah, 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 I'm like, you know, you, you begin to get excited because you, you know, you, you've been set free, and you want to see other people set free as well. I know what you're going to do already. You're going to pray harder than you've ever prayed before. Because you want others to Thank you so much for your word. Your word that explains to us the battle, but also explains to us that we have been we have been placed in a new place. When we were when we died in Christ, we completely died in Him. We we become alive in Him, 
It's a weird understanding that we die and come alive at the same time, but it's really the transition that takes place. That when we die to Christ, we become alive in Jesus. And, and you say you're going to place us in the heavenly realm. And tonight I believe in this room there are, there are some that looked at that and they saw themselves at different, at the, at the different stages. And all their life they've been thinking about receiving that reward of heaven. Forgetting that God desires for us to have heaven on earth. We even pray it, Lord, when we pray together, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We pray it regularly. But do we really mean it? Do we really understand what we're praying? And tonight, many of us have saw ourselves in these different places. And Lord, you have called us to take steps of faith. So tonight, Lord, I pray that as we come into a time of, of response to your, to, your, to your message, I'm praying that tonight your, the people gathered here, Lord, who can be completely honest with themselves and completely honest with you. For, Lord, when we begin to admit our brokenness, when we begin to admit our wrongs, Lord, you're able to do mighty great works in us. So I pray that tonight we will be absolutely transparent before you. Lord, send forth your Holy Spirit that we may be recreated. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Tonight as you stand, we get ready to sing. Many of you are thinking right now, this is what some of you are thinking, this is how pride works. I went up there Sunday night and prayed. I can't go again. People will think something's wrong. I went up there last night and I prayed. So I can't go up again and, and pray even more, even though it's, I'm, I, I need prayer, I need to go and lay something down. In all reality, should we not be falling at the throne of grace every moment we get the opportunity to? Should we not be falling at the feet of Jesus and saying, and just if nothing else, just giving him praise and honor and, 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 and humbling ourselves before him? He tells us that if we humble ourselves before him, he will raise us up. So maybe tonight, God's calling you once again to take another step in your journey. To stand together. This altar's open for you to come. And I invite you not to be hesitant. Don't let Satan win this battle. I pray that you will move as the Lord leads you right now. Number 275. Call to Jesus, I surrender. All to Him, I freely. Will you come and step over and place you in that heavenly realm? Tired of being in the battle. You will try to move you. And you are surrendering to the step of faith that God called you to. Take a step into 
Jesus Christ in such a way that they in turn instill it into their children and into their children. It's the only chance I've got. I do not want to be the weak link and decide to do things myself. I believe that Jesus has a great plan. Good, pleasing, and perfect. 
And I'm praying tonight that you have given yourself. And you're going to leave out of here. And guess what? Wherever you go, the heavenly realm goes. Think about that a second. One more, better watch out. The food city might be shaking tonight. Because where you are becomes holy ground when you're living in that place. May God be given all the glory, praise, and honor for what's taking place here tonight. May He confirm. May He go ahead and put it in stone. The commitments of faith, the steps of faith, the prayers that have been made. Thank you, Jesus.